Okay, we're back and almost ready for part two of my interview with Dr. Mark Lounsborough of Faith Baptist Bible College. He is the missions professor there. But before we get started, I wanted to ask you, as you're thinking about your life, about your preparation for future ministry, because that's kind of an, an undercurrent here as we think about how God has worked in Mark's life, but also how God is working in the life of students at colleges like FBBC, there are many different paths that people take as they prepare for ministry. And it's interesting, I think, a lot of people see people who go into ministry as completely different than themselves. So they're looking at, these are people who are going to make a career, make a living serving, whether it's a pastor in a church or a missionary or some kind of parachurch organization where they have a role there. And they see that as a different thing than their own life and ministry. Well, I want to challenge us. If we really consider what God has to say, if we really understand that each one of us are called to serve, we are called to be ministers, we're called to be disciple makers. Really, that's the, the calling that each one of us has. And we're really asking the question, how do I live that out? What does that look like in my life? What steps do I need to take to prepare? If you think about it that way, then one question that's a serious question that every one of us have to answer is, how am I preparing for the next steps? And I don't think that ever stops. You don't ever stop preparing for future ministry. And I've been thinking about this a little bit recently, just that idea of Christ-likeness. Well, that's a process. It's a path. You don't ever end it in this lifetime. So what are you doing to prepare to grow, to prepare for ministry, to prepare for future relationships? You're never intended to be stagnant, to consider yourself done and have, I have arrived. But you're always, uh, you, you should always be looking forward. And everybody forward is looking at Jesus and saying, in what areas have I grown to be more like him in the past uh, few years, months? In what areas do I, I still need to make intentional efforts? A, a young man, a young woman who's planning to go to the mission field, they kind of have a clear picture. I think this is what makes it easier sometimes for people going into ministry because they kind of have an idea of what their ministry looks like. So they know they need to be good at certain things. They know they need to learn certain things. They, they feel inadequate when they think about certain roles that they might need to take on in the future. So they're driven to study, to prepare. The problem comes in for people who are not directly looking at their life and saying, I'm going to be a pastor, I'm going to be a missionary. They don't always look at their life and feel driven to prepare for something that is not as clearly defined. So we're talking today and with Dr. Lounsborough, as you think about students who are at the college, really the students who are preparing for ministry, it, it's, it's harder and easier. It's harder because they do feel the pressure of going into a ministry role where they may have a certain amount of accountability and responsibility that everyone doesn't have. But although that makes it harder, it's somewhat easier because it's a little more defined as, as far as the steps that you take 
to prepare for that role. And maybe you look at your life and you say, well, I don't really understand the steps that I need to take to prepare for whatever is down the road. And I think that's something that we need to to talk about more intentionally in the church. Uh, And maybe coming down the road, I'll, I'll share some of my thoughts. I know that's one of the things that I'm interested in is seeing churches be more intentional, intentional about having a pathway forward to help your everyday person, someone who's not called into an official role of ministry, how do you prepare them to be uh, a profitable servant, someone who's really invested in their community, invested in the church, invested in ministry? You know, some simple ideas we have to consider is how we're doing in practically training in things like evangelism. Do you have uh, a certain level of comfort when it comes to sharing your testimony of what God has done in your life? Do you have a certain level of comfort with uh, at least one way of sharing the gospel that allows you to remember the key parts, uh, to explain it clearly, where you don't have to stumble and, and wonder what's next and did I forget anything, but you have a certain reasonable level of comfort with a way of sharing the gospel that is in addition to just your testimony of how you came to faith. I think that's a, a reasonable start. You know, next step might be something like, uh, the ability to lead a, a small group Bible study, or even just one-on-one. Could you lead a Bible study with someone who who comes to you and says, you know, I'd really, I'd like to grow, but I don't really know where to begin. Can you, uh, can you give me some help? Could we meet together? How comfortable are you at doing that? What would it take to get comfortable with, with either of those, whether it's the gospel or just leading that Bible study, an ongoing Bible study? What do you need to be able to do that? And that's a way of looking at a specific thing that will be helpful to you and considering what are the skills that I can gain that will help me to do this well? How can I prepare? And if you have those specific questions, then you can come up with specific answers and specific steps that will help you make progress. You don't get stuck if you have a a goal in mind, some kind of vision of the future that you would like to see yourself uh, engaged in doing certain things. That that concrete, specific thing really uh, helps. I think that's what we're often missing. We have a vague idea of what it means to serve, but it's not really nailed down. We don't really, we haven't clarified it enough that we can, uh, can really make progress at it. So I think that's important. So as you listen to, to Dr. Landsborough and the rest of this interview, uh, and think back to the first half, it's interesting to think how God worked through different people, different situations, and how he moves people uh, one step at a time. And often it's those moments of clarity that, oh, this is a step I need to take. I think one of the things that I enjoy about interviewing some of these these people I've been doing recently is just hearing how God does that through other people or through circumstances. One way or another, God's trying to get people's attention and move them from where they are to where he wants them to be. Uh, it's sometimes seems like it's really smooth and easy. Other times it seems like it's quite a, a challenge for for us to, to understand that we need to be moving forward, that we we don't want to be stuck. So enjoy the, the second half of this interview with Dr. Mark Lounsborough. Right. And one of the things I'm kind of encouraging churches in Wisconsin to think about, um, there are so many Hispanics and they just continue to come in. Even the smaller communities have a large number of Hispanics. My my mother-in-law lives in a town of 900 people 
And there are a significant number of Hispanics, even in that town. So one of the things I've been challenging some churches to think about, rather than offer ESL, which that'd be great, do that too, but reach out into that community and say, we would like to learn Spanish and look for teachers. And if you do that, say, oh, we'd also like conversation partners. Mm-hmm. So instead of having uh, ESL and you have a few people who are interested in English, uh, you can have people that already speak English, but they're just not attached to your church, but mm-hmm. they also speak Spanish. Right. And you say, hey, we need conversation partners. And you might have 30, 40, 50 people where you can do um, conversational Spanish mm-hmm. for your church, where you're building relationships and you're inviting mm-hmm. people, maybe even into the church. Yes. Invite them to come into the church on a weekday night when you're going to have the church members there who are studying and say they're, they're coming in the church, they're building these relationships, have food, mm-hmm. have them go into the separate rooms and have these small conversation things and come back and have a group. Get to know, t- teach us your culture. Mm-hmm. Um, come in as a learner mm-hmm. and you will open the door into that group in your church. Mm-hmm. And if you do that, uh, you can do that with Hispanics, and they're they're everywhere. But some towns, it's a different group. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe you have a large number of Liberians. I know that uh, Muscatine has several thousand Liberians mm-hmm. there. Any culture where there's a block of them, mm-hmm. this is a potential thing that you can do. Right. And it's so different than teaching English, which is often a need, but sometimes it's not such a need. There are other groups and other—even the city may offer English. The schools are getting their kids in. It's— it's sometimes a huge need, sometimes not so much, but your church showing kindness and love and reaching out. And one way you do that is saying, I want to learn your language. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're opening that door. So I really, uh, I think that's an awesome mm-hmm. thing for churches to consider. And I don't know any churches doing that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and that's a relational approach. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it, it, it has some structure, right. but it's not highly structured. Right. And a lot of ethnicities that are part of our community here do not thrive on highly structured activities. Right. It just it's right. impersonal, mm-hmm. and doing something like you just described um, is is much more relational, and right. it, and it's it's a it's a it's a bottom floor entrance mm-hmm. to to be able to yep. to break down some of those walls and establish some mm-hmm. friendships. Yeah. All right. Um, all right. If you think about your your life and growth to now, you've been a a missionary in Brazil. Br- and then you've been here for 16 years and about the same amount of time, 19 years, right. 16 years. So um, what is a couple of lessons God taught you in Brazil? Maybe what's a couple of lessons God's taught you now? Because you still have those, you know, we're all still learning and growing. So maybe if you could share some of those things. Yeah, wow. Okay. Uh, lessons I learned in Brazil. Yeah, I, I, I'll tell you one lesson that I'm not sure I learned, uh, and that's dealing with time. Brazilians, most Latin Americans are not nearly as, as worried about time. And it's relationships, and sometimes when when we you know keep looking at our watches and say I got to be here or there, uh, they'll be they'll, they'll be very friendly and smile and say oh I understand, but deep down inside they're saying okay the clock is more important than a relationship. The, Latin Americans are very relational, and and so one of the things that I learned was to have to let my guard down and learn to be myself. Even when I was learning the language, I learned to laugh with them at some of the things that I said. Right. And I learned that if I would do that and not be offended and back off, it would go a long way to developing friendships with them. Right. And and so that that was a, a very very important lesson to learn. Um, I think another lesson was um, recognizing the potential of Brazilians to learn and lead. Uh, the colonial days are largely over in missions, but sometimes we still harbor a bit of a colonial attitude toward right. toward people that don't have the same level of education, the same economic status. And there's a tendency sometimes to think, well, they're, they're not just 
I don't know if we can really trust them in leadership positions. And, and I learned that that is just so obviously not true. Right. They are they are capable and wanting to to lead, and God uses them. The faster we could get Brazilians into leadership positions, the better. And I had the advantage of serving in a school. So when we started the church in our neighborhood, we were able to bring students on board and, and give them leadership responsibilities even before we organized as a church. And then when we did organize, we were able to bring one of those who had been serving in our church after he graduated on as our as our pastor. So I always tell people, involve the nationals on, you know, the ground level as soon as you can. I mean, you, obviously, we can't put people in the positions they're not prepared to handle. Right. But I think sometimes we underestimate their their their, their, their capability their, right. to, to, to handle those responsibilities. And, and so uh, those were those were big, big lessons that God taught me. Coming back here, you know, one of the things I have to keep in mind is sometimes when people spend time in another culture— they come back and they they become critical of their own culture. That, that's a natural thing that happens mm-hmm. uh, because you're learning things about another culture and then you're reflecting on your own. Mm-hmm. And the fact is, all cultures are under the curse and we're all we're all broken. Every one of them, they're broken and perhaps in different ways. They manifest that brokenness in different ways. Mm-hmm. But when I came back here, one of the things I had to realize was that, you know, American young people in our colleges are pretty much the same in terms of their desire to serve God and the struggles they face as the students I had in our seminary in Brazil. I use the word seminary. It was a Bible college, but that's the term they use in Latin America. Same age. And and, and really, in fact, I had students ask me, what's the difference between an American college student and a, a Brazilian college student? And really, there's not nearly as much difference as you might think. It mm-hmm. just... Because they're all, you know, wrestling with the will of God, wrestling with other things going on in mm-hmm. in at, at that period of life, mm-hmm. and so I found that if I could just be myself in both cultures and just discern, you know, where these students are, and not get so hung up on the ethnic and cultural differences, that I could mm-hmm. I could be used of God to minister and encourage them. Right. Awesome. So. Any last words? I guess I'll go ahead and let you go. I know you. It's a. It's the end of the missions conference and busy busy week, but. Uh, um, you know, I have people from all over the world that are, are listening to the show, and some of them are, are thinking about um, their life and future, kind of like the students. Other ones maybe have students that they're preparing, uh, thinking about the idea of missions and the, the churches and the great need that's still there. Do you have any last just encouragement for the churches and people? You, you know, I'll, I'll just say this. Um, sometimes we can become easily negative about the church. Oh, that, you know, we, we have fewer missionaries now. There are fewer pastors. Uh, and, and 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 I try to be really, really careful when I'm presenting the fields of service, you know, the, the ministry opportunities to our students, not to become so negative that they feel like they're jumping on board of a sinking ship. Right. I, I always go back to Christ's words, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. And even though sometimes it may seem to us like things are going backwards rather than forwards, I really do believe in two things that I can't fully explain. One mm-hmm. is that Christ is not one day behind in right. his church planting, uh, his church building work, and he's not one person behind. Right. And I know that that he told us to pray because the laborers are few. Mm-hmm. And it's hard for us sometimes to put that together with the fact that Christ is accomplishing his task. Mm-hmm. I mean, to say that Christ is behind would be to say that, you know, somehow he's he's not doing the job that he said he was going to do. Contractors right. easily get behind. You know, you have right. a lot of people you're depending on. And, and somehow 
in the chemistry of all this that Christ is doing, he is getting his work done. So I don't want our students to think that ministry or serving Christ is, is getting on a sinking ship or something that's going backwards. They are on to something that God is doing and accomplishing here, and he, and he takes joy in including us. And if they'll view it that way, I think it'll transform their perspective of what God wants to do and how he wants to use them. Yeah, I quite, think quite often the work that God's doing, uh, it's much more... As he works through me, he's he's working in me, mm-hmm. and it's much more about me. He doesn't need my help. <laughs> and w- once I recognize that, it really frees you up to say, mm-hmm. I, it's okay to make mistakes mm-hmm. because I'm not going to hinder God's plan. Right. Uh, it, it's okay to try something that I'm not sure how it's going to work out right. because, again, I'm not going to hinder God's plan. Mm-hmm. Um, I need to be pursuing him and do my best to do the, the theme of the conference. Yes. To say, God, I want to see your glory, and I want to see you glorified in my life. Yes. And that's not always going to look like a, a pretty picture. It's not always going to be something big. Uh, sometimes it's going to be little and, and a lesson that I learned today. And by living that tomorrow, I glorify you. Yes. And sometimes it's that one conversation with that person. Yeah. And that, that conversation changes their life. When, mm. And they're the ones that really is important in this, this relationship. It's not about me. Right. Uh, and it's Absolutely. ultimately about God and his work. Yes. And he's doing it. He, he is, is, even though Praise it's uh, small numbers. Being in Japan, we we get the small numbers, yeah. but you see the the ones and the twos that come and say, yes. you know, it made a difference in their life. Yes, and uh, that was it was worth it. Yes, Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining me today. I sure appreciate it. Well, thanks for the invitation. I've really enjoyed chatting with you. Yeah, thank you. Well, hopefully you have enjoyed my interview with Dr. Mark Lounsboro at Faith Baptist Bible College today. I know I really did. Uh, it has been just a real joy to me to to be able to have this opportunity to to interview different people during Faith's Global Reach Conference this year. I look forward to doing it again in the future. I don't often have time to meet so many different people who are involved in so many different kinds of of ministries, but it has been a real joy, and hopefully you have benefited from it. You know, one of the themes of this last little section was the the cross-cultural aspect of ministry, and that's something that's really changing here in America. It's getting to be where just about anywhere that you live, there are opportunities to mingle with people who are from a different culture. And I think often we as the church, people who grew up here, are a little bit nervous, uh, a little bit uncertain about how to go about crossing some of those boundaries, some of those barriers, the lines between cultures. And there's a fear there. But realistically, in my experience, if you show some initiative and you're willing to to make a first first step, often people are willing to meet you way more than halfway. Uh, they're just so excited that you're interested in them, um, and you meet some great people. You know, for me, the opportunity to begin to learn something about other cultures goes way back to well to college, but even. Uh, more than college, one summer, I worked on a golf course. And this was probably in the early 90s. And this golf course employed employed a large number of Hispanics. And I think most of them at that time were Mexican. And I had studied a little bit of Spanish in high school and a little bit in college and was considering going at that time to Peru to do some graduate level research in in biology and plant uh, taxonomy. Well, those guys were awesome. As I got there, and I knew just enough Spanish to be dangerous, and I I learned so much more there. But more than Spanish, I learned a lot about uh, them, 
the the kind of culture that they lived in was just so different. Uh, they were so vibrant and alive. <clears throat> I, I just have to say, I really enjoyed working with those guys. Now, they had different personalities, just like anybody else. There were ones that were quieter, ones that were louder. <clears throat> but in general, they were uh, extremely uh, cheerful. Uh, they they worked very hard. Uh, and it was just was a joy to work with them. I got to know several uh, several of them really well. Um, Ishmael was one of the guys that I, I really got to know well. Had breakfast with him and his family one day, and it was interesting because I learned that the ability to eat the hot things is probably I always thought it was maybe it was born with. You're just you're from South America, you can just eat the hot stuff. But uh, I was there having breakfast with him. And he had a three or four year old son, and he was watching his dad as we're talking. They had something like an omelet, and they were putting it in a like a tortilla. And his dad, you know, Ishmael would just put hot sauce on his. So the little boy looked at it, and he grabbed the hot sauce and he poured it on his. And I was just kind of talking to his dad, watching the little boy out of the corner of my eye, and he's watching his dad just chow down on his. So he took a big bite out of his, and then made the awfulest face. I mean, you could tell it was it was hot. It was burning him alive. <laughs> and uh, he he drank some of his, I don't know if it's milk or whatever he had. And then he looked at his dad. And his dad's still eating. And he looked down at his plate and he took another bite. And it was it was torture watching him eat that. But he ate he ate every bite of that. And it was hot. <laughs> and, and it was so funny. So then I realized, ah, he's this is an ingrained skill. So later on. In the summer, this was in in Georgia, it was 104 that summer, and some of those guys would have a jalapeno, just a a raw jalapeno on a cracker, sitting in their golf cart out just under a shade tree. You know, it's it's probably 95, 98 degrees in the shade there, and they eat that, and there's nothing to drink anywhere close. They said, hey, you want one? Not a chance. <laughs> so I, it was interesting getting to know little things like that and just seeing how their family ran you know i really um enjoyed that and i have benefited over the years from different people who i became friends with who were from different cultures whether it was graduate school where my my office had people from india uh, the dominican republic uh different states even in america you know across america we have a broad range of of cultures as you look at the breadth of the United States. But you would learn that some of the assumptions that you have about the way that the world works and the way that people think are not true all the time. And that's super valuable. Uh, It's great to understand and to know that people have legitimate other ways of looking at the world. Uh, That's something that often we don't learn. And it seems like part of the division that we have in the United States now is based around an inability to tolerate a different opinion. Well, exposure to other countries, other cultures, I think helps us to uh, understand that there are different ways of looking at the world. And certainly by the time I got to Japan, you recognize that this is going to be different. (laughs) I don't expect it to be like America. I don't know what I expect it to be like, but I know that it will be different. And I was a little more prepared for that because I had had years of contact with other cultures where we're talking about them and their view of the United States and how things are working working out here. Uh, even recently, I interviewed uh, 
Joshua a few weeks ago. And as he was here traveling with me, you know, he's uh, from another country. And he would often say things that I just never thought of it before. You know, his view of the world very clearly was different than mine. His view of how the church should work, how it worked in his home country and here was very different. I think that's something a lot of internationals who are Christians struggle with, that our American way of doing church is not like theirs. And we often just assume that our way is best. I think that's a mistake. So as even Dr. Lounsworth was talking about time and particularly how this, you think about how that works in the church too. You know, you have events and programs and we are so time conscious here. Everything has to work on time, start on time, end on time, got to get people moving. You know, that's not the way a large percentage of the world does it. It's much more about the relationship. It's not so much about getting things done at exactly the right time. I think we would benefit from learning that truth that that really the relationship is more important than the schedule. That's one of the little things that come from having more exposure, more time, just working with other cultures, getting to see how they do things. You know, a lot of churches, it is uh, churches a day long. <laughs> It just is takes hours and hours. And as an American going in, we often look at this and say, what's well, taking so much time? We're, we're just wasting so much time uh, doing nothing. People are just sitting around and talking. But what do we keep coming back to on this show? If, if you really are committed to being a disciple, what do you have to do? It's intentional relationships. And, and relationships take time. And intentionality takes time. Uh, you have to get to know someone before you can really invest in them and know how best to direct the conversation or what are the things that we should be talking about. It takes time. Uh, you're not going to learn those things overnight. You're not going to be able to um, jump in and give someone great advice if you don't know anything about them. So those times when those other cultures are spending relationally getting to know each other, they really are able to develop a relationship that can stand some difficulty, that can stand some disagreement. I think often here in the United States, we don't have those kind of relationships. So any kind of disagreement is is just like a bomb going off in the relationship because we have such tenuous relationships. We haven't spent time together. We don't know each other well enough to really trust that the other person has good intentions. Uh, we, we are suspicious that they may be out uh, to do us harm. Uh, so when we disagree, there's oh, there's proof of it right there. You know, they're, they're not being honest. They're not being good. This is a dangerous relationship. Um, there's all the things that we think that are not helpful <laughs> that, that really make it um, difficult for us. You know, we just, we struggle with relationships. It's sad, it's unfortunate, <laughs> but it is, it seems to be very, very true. Hopefully, you are learning and growing in your ability to make relationships and developing a good habit of really investing in the people around you. Well, thanks for joining me today. You know, if you have questions or comments about today's show, email me at norman at runwithhorses.net. Look up the Run With Horses uh, podcast Facebook page. Uh, you can leave a, a note on there. I, I need to do better at updating that. 
I keep forgetting to do that, but I do check in. If you leave messages there, I do get them. I'd love to eventually uh, be a little more involved on there, but hey, time and good intentions, right? I don't say it often, but if you're benefiting from what I'm doing, if you leave a review and share the show with a friend, that really does help other people who might benefit from what we talk about to find the show. I'm just terrible at the whole idea of advertising, so I don't do it. Keep running. Don't stop. It's worth it.